Welcome back to episode 54 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here on Chess Journeys, we seek to not only highlight the highs and the glories of ratings gain, but also dive into the plateaus and perhaps even the pits of despair. I have some big news, everybody. There is a new podcast logo made by Liz Wayne. It looks fantastic. I've decided to open a merch store for it. So if you've always wanted a shirt of a dude climbing a mountain that says Chess Journeys, well, I've got the spot for you. You can check the show notes for it. I don't have it memorized, unfortunately. I'll post some pics when mine come in. If you want to support the show, you can also go to Patreon Chess Journeys. I want to thank our queen level supporters, Jay Tuttle, Jay Garrison, Donna Rich Burgess, Brandon Hallside, David Schreiber, and Lindsay Newhall. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Chessable. If you're not using Chessable yet, why, why not? It does everything. Um, you can memorize your openings there. Uh, you can do tactics work. I'm currently doing uh, the Checkmate Patterns Manual, working with knights a lot. If you saw my stream today, you saw my recap of my game at the World Open where I got too excited about night play and hung a piece as a result. That was bad. That was bad. But I don't blame Chessable for that. I blame me. Uh, so I'm at 58, 59 days and counting working on it. If you want to appear on the show, that's awesome. Go to the show notes. There's a survey there. There's a Google form. Fill it out. But it is now time for our illustrious guest, Amanda. She's an adult improver. She's a member of the Chess Dojo and Chess Broad community. She can usually be found playing chess in the Austin area. And I saw a recent tweet by her that like laid out in detail all of her chess improvement. And it was awesome. Everyone freaked out. And they were like, I got like 10 DMs. You need to get Amanda on the show. And I was like, well, I've already got an interview lined up with Amanda. So this is just a great coincidence. So Amanda, welcome to the show. And have you played any chess yet today? Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I have played chess today as I play most days. I got very tilted in blitz, so it hasn't been the best chess day. <laughs> Sorry but, if that was a bad question then. I, I didn't realize. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the interview is over as wow. soon as it started. This is the shortest episode we've had yet. Yeah. Um, when you say you were playing blitz, what's your time control for blitz? I usually play three plus two unless I get really tilted and then I just want to throw pieces around and I start playing without increment, which probably isn't the way to do it, but I don't really take my blitz rating that seriously. Okay, gotcha. Do you do anything with these games or are they just like fun things you throw away when you're done? So I actually touched on this in the thread that I wrote last week or the week before about chess improvement, which is that I've heard so many people say don't play blitz it's bad for your development it's bad for your progression and i think that the throwing pieces around maybe three plus zero might be there there's truth in that but i think that if you play for example three plus two games with a little increment it's really at least for me it's been good for pattern recognition and learning openings but even deeper than that middle game ideas that come from different openings. So you can start recognizing uh, patterns of when you are losing a lot or things that are working. And yeah. I, I do try to analyze some games when I'm, when I'm in the mood. Yeah, I hear you. I, I totally agree that if you use Blitz thoughtfully, 
I think it's very useful. I, I think that's a great point that it's not just memorizing openings, but like in the middle game, I tend to lose when I get this structure. And the more times I see that, the more it's like, huh, I don't even know why. I just know that that ends up being a losing structure somehow. And you start getting that pattern. And maybe you take that next step and you really investigate it. And maybe you don't. And you just go, I'm not going into that structure. I'm going to steer the game to this structure instead. And, and you're winning and you're sort of seeing that pattern develop. So I, I do agree. Um, when you say you use your blitz game sometimes, are you sort of like going over the openings or you go over every move and you're like, where did this thing go wrong? I'll go over every move and see, see where it went wrong, see what I did well. And if I threw a game, you know, especially if it's in the first half of the game, trying not to repeat the same mistakes. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite resources for chess improvement is Amon Hamilton's Building Habits series. Nice. And I watched that a lot when I was starting out and it was a, a huge help for me. And I think that I, that's how I try to approach chess improvement now is not necessarily following Amon's habits, but figuring out what about chess play can be made into habits and building good habits. And not to say every game is the same, but starting to have systems of the way that you think about the moves and the game. Yeah, I like that. Build, sort of building your own idea of what your habits are and, and working on them. Yeah, I've had a, a bunch of people tell me, you have to get Amon on for his habits video so he can talk about it more. So I don't know, maybe you're my connection. I, I feel like he's too big time for me, but uh, who knows? Maybe he's not. We'll, we'll see what we can, we can hook up through Amanda. We'll, we'll try. We'll, we'll do our best. All right, Amanda, let's start um, with your current life situation because it sounds quite interesting. What is your job, family, pet situation? Where are you living? What, what's happening that either allows you to play more chess or takes away from your chess? I have all the time in the world to play chess. I live alone in Austin with my cat. So, you know, he, he does demand attention. He's a two or three-year-old cat named Loki. Ooh. And he, speaking of, of chess punks, Loki is a huge punk. Uh, he, he, there, I have, uh, you know, as most people do blinds in their house and he's decided that he doesn't want to wait for me to open the blinds. So he's chewed little cat windows in oh. all the blinds. So all of my blinds have little rectangles missing from them, <laughs> but that's, that's a tangent that it doesn't have to do about chess. Uh, the point is that he does not take too much time to look after he's pretty tolerant of my chess addiction so yeah, yeah uh, i'm a software engineer in austin i work for an education technology company hmm. and we build a platform for schools and guidance counselors to help students connect with different colleges That's so cool. and so you said you're able to do this remotely then mm-hmm it's a fully remote job. So nice. I am spending a little bit of time in Charlotte right now to 
check out a different city, check out the chess center, skip the 105 degree heat in Austin. Mm-hmm. And that's not an exaggeration. It's 105 every day right oh, now. Oh my goodness. And is that why you picked Charlotte? Because it has such a blossoming chess community or were, the, were there other places you were considering? You were like, ah, the, the chess is best in Charlotte. What were your thoughts there? No, I came to Charlotte for the at least 21 tournament, the Alto tournament. And I just decided that I wanted to spend more time here and spend more time at the chess center. I also was very excited about the fact that you could see mountains just driving down the road because Texas doesn't have mountains. It is very flat. So those were considerations. And then I just figured that the summer would be the best time to do it. And I, I wanted to take a trip anyway, because we all just went through a pandemic where um, we spent a lot of time inside. So I spent so much time inside my rental house in Austin and it was time to, to explore. Yeah. That's really amazing. This is one of the coolest things about remote jobs is that ability to just kind of be like, you know what, I'm going to move to this city for a couple months and see if I just want to visit it and go back to my old city, or maybe this is my new permanent residence. Who knows? It's a, it's kind of a fantastic opportunity. All right, so you're in Charlotte. Uh, do you go to the chess center very often? Are you there like every day? And they're like, oh, it's Amanda again. We should, we need to get her in the GM house. She's always here. Well, I just got here. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I got here three days ago. Mm-hmm. I was actually supposed to get here yesterday, but uh, there was a tournament on Saturday. So I figured I would get here two days early, played uh, the one day tournament on Saturday and here we are. I'm going back tomorrow to play more chess. Oh, that's awesome. How'd the tournament go? It went okay. I was higher rated in all three games and I won the first two. And then the last game I threw, I was, uh, I was still so tired from the travel. So I didn't feel thrilled about that game, but the kid that I played was the funniest, most precocious kid uh, after the second round. So we hadn't even played yet. He came yeah. up to me and he goes, I just sacrificed a knight for maiden three. You would have seen it. <laughs> okay, then. I was like, okay. And then he, once the pairings were posted, he came up to me and he just goes, board 24, black. <laughs> I was like, all right, now I, I know where I'm going. Uh, so he, I had chatted with his mom for a bit. She was really nice. So a really nice family. It's always easier to lose when you enjoy your opponent and yeah uh, and then after the game he said I think he was 11 he said I was the hardest opponent he's ever played and won wow okay that's pretty good that's pretty good and who knows this kid might be a grandmaster soon you never know that's the thing yeah, with I think he's only been playing since November so oh wow okay interesting all right well Let's go to your origin story real quick uh, before we get to your improvement. So what got you into chess? Did you play chess at all as a child and give it up? Or have you been playing for the last 20 years? What's going on? When'd you get in? No, my, my dad taught me chess when I was a kid, but I never got into it. Uh, my dad was his high school chess champion which I didn't find out until I started playing last year and I was texting my family and my mom asked, are you good? And I said, (laughs) 
I'm not good compared to most chess players, but I probably could beat you all. And my dad responded, we'll have to play when you're home. But I was my high school champion. So is he any good? He is. I played him about a year ago and I lost, but I've gone up a lot in that time. So I think I could beat him now. I haven't rematched him yet. Yeah, that's the best redemption story. Because for your dad, it will be devastating when you destroy him. And for you, you'll be like, I have arrived. I am now the king of the house. If you win, you need to get like a belt made, the championship belt that you wear around the house and says like king of the family or something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think... I will say this and we'll see if my parents listen. My dad's not a great winner, but <laughs> I will give him a little credit because I'm probably not a great winner either. So I think I inherited that. Was he fist pumping and like reminding you all day? Remember when I beat you in chess two hours ago? It was great. Well, we finished our game and we lost the game because I blundered a bishop. Mm. And he said, it was a really hard position for you anyway. I was already winning and I didn't agree with that. And so then I had to be like, not to discredit your win, but let's play the rest of this game because I think my position was better. And I ended up winning the game part Mm -hmm. two. Yeah. So, but, but I mean, he still won. I don't not blundering pieces in one move. It's part of the game. And I wasn't able to do that yet. Yeah. And I, it feels like to me that I don't know what rating level you're at, but like that 1400 and below, I have played so many people that are amazingly great chess players other than that one move where they blunder the piece. And you're just like, man, if you could stop blundering pieces, you'd be like instantly 1800. Yeah. Once we get into improvement, I'll get into that because that was my thing for the longest time. Mm, Yeah. But let's see. So I, I didn't play chess. I hadn't played in, oh man, many, many years, at least, at least 15. Okay. And then in early 2021, I went on, I started dating a chess player that I met on Bumble. and like a real chess player like a tournament chess player or just a guy that plays chess a guy that had played chess for his college and okay didn't play anymore gotcha okay he he still played online but not competitively um and he said you know we're talking about the weekend and he says there's this big chess tournament going on called tata steel and i'm going to be watching it and it's, it's in Europe, it's early in the mornings. And I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Um, and I genuinely was curious about it. So I put it on Twitch on my TV one Saturday while I was doing chores because I knew it was going on and I wanted to see what he was interested in. I had seen Queen's Gambit and uh, yeah, a combination of all of that. And so... I say that the the dating situation didn't stick around, but obviously the chess did. I'm now on a chess podcast, so mm-hmm. I guess I I guess I have him to thank for my, <laughs> you know, chess obsession. Well, that's really cool. I I haven't met many people that were just kind of like I don't play chess, but I watched Tata Steel or some other big event. Um, so that's really interesting. 
Yeah, as soon as I turned it on, I was invested hmm. and hooked. I let's see, I followed Anish Giri on Twitter because oh. it was the Faruja Anish Giri game. Okay. And I think it was the semifinals. And I can't, I think Giri had been winning the tournament and then ended up not winning the game. I can't remember if he had a better position, but just and and ended up not winning the tournament. Mm. And I remember just being so enthralled by the drama of it all. That's cool. Was it also the commentating? Was it just like really good commentating or was it just the chess and, and it just was fascinating? It was the chess. I think Hess and Danya were commentating, which is oh, funny okay. in retrospect, but I didn't really pay attention to that yet. Okay. And it was also one of the more serious tournaments. So that a couple of weeks later, I watched Pog Champs, and that had the fun commentating and yeah, the, yeah, the right. fun content. And that was also during the Texas blizzard. So oh, the entire yeah. city froze over. I don't know. I, I guess you know, but yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, there were uh, in February last year. Uh, Austin got, Texas got five inches of snow and the entire state shut down. The, the power grids went out yeah. and did all the roads. Did you keep your electricity? I was very, very fortunate because my house is on the same grid, I guess, as the hospital. Ah, gotcha. Okay. And so I did not lose power. So I got to, yeah just watch pog temps and compartmentalize the fact that we were all stuck inside and everything awful was happening. I mean, it, that was a community effort to survive. Yeah. Um, I, I had a friend who ended up needing to get home and I spent like half a day trying to, because I had power, I reached out to my neighbor group and found someone who had chains on their cars and four-wheel drive to go pick her up from where she was stranded and take her back oh, home goodness. wow um, but i mean that's not that's not unique everyone was yeah helping the community because there was absolutely no infrastructure for for that sort of storm yeah i just can imagine if los angeles i woke up tomorrow and there was five inches of snow i think it would be very similar people freak out and be like i everything's broken now like we we are not ready for this yeah in fact our houses are made of like clay <laughs> it would be rather cold in here okay yeah. well that's fascinating so you survived the texas blizzard with chess by your side inspiring you to play more so after watching pog champs did you like jump in all the way or were you just kind of intrigued at this point? No. So I started after Tata Steel, I started playing some daily games oh, okay. and I was too scared for a while to play the live games, mm. but I was playing daily games and I was watching improvement videos and trying to get better. And then I think it was about the Pog Champs time where I was like, oh, well, you know, they're playing the 10 minute games. Uh, I'll try. I think I, I jumped in at 15, 10. I started at 10 minutes, but I flagged every game and, <laughs> yeah, I understand that. and then started playing with increment and things went a little better. 
Okay, so that's really neat. So did you, was PogChance kind of inspirational for you in, in the sense of like, well, if they can do it and they're not very good, I could certainly do it also. Did you have that kind of mindset? I think so. That's cool. I think that was probably the goal. That's really neat that, that it kind of worked. You said you were watching some improvement videos right from the start. Who'd you gravitate to first? Who were those first videos that you were watching for improvement? I started with the beginner and intermediate lessons on chess.com just because they were there. And then back to the commentary, I really enjoyed Cutie Cinderella and Robert Hess. I thought they were the funniest team. I remember when Cutie asked Hess something like, oh, hard chess is the worst. Don't you hate hard chess? And Hess just got this look on his face and goes, I like chess. What is hard chess? I don't even know what that means. I think it's just when chess gets hard. Oh, okay. And looking back on it, I think if you're a content creator, you absolutely know what you're doing there. And it was so brilliant from both sides to have that banter. It's honestly one of the best commentary teams I've seen was Cutie Cinderella and Robert Hess because of the, the contrast between the two. Yeah. And I ended up looking Hess up and he went to the same college as me. So I had reached out and he recommended uh, Danya's speed run videos. Uh, and so that's uh, when I started watching those videos, which I say that the speed run videos taught me how to think about chess and the building habits videos taught me what moves to play. Oh, okay. So it was those two series right at the start, the uh, Danya's speed runs and Amon's building habits. And I recommend those to anyone who will listen. So is that basically what you did is those two video series, no books, no tactics puzzles, just kind of like going through those videos to get the basics? No, I did tons of tactics puzzles. I okay. was gotcha. obsessed with puzzles before <laughs> I was obsessed with playing games. Okay. And I would just turn on a TV show and do tactics puzzles on my phone uh, on the meantime. And so I think I got very decent at tactics before I was decent at chess. And I remember I made a big jump pretty quickly around 1100. I went, I don't know, from 1100 to 1600 pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And someone asked me, what do you, how did you do that? And I said, first of all, I stopped hanging pieces. <laughs> That's a great idea. Said, right. You, I had these tactical concepts from the puzzles and, but from until 1100 or 1200, I was still hanging pieces in one move. So I would get these great positions and then maybe hang my queen. So yeah, I think there, there was some catching up, but, but tactics puzzles are huge at the beginning. And I think I remember from the building habits videos that Amon recommends E4 
for beginner players because that's where you get the sharper, more tactical lines. And I even started playing the Vienna when I was very low rated. And so just right from the start, I was getting these sharp attacking positions and I would lose because of it, but it also allowed me to maybe see some advanced concepts sooner. Gotcha. So you are really <laughs> diving into sort of tactical, sharp positions, using your tactics puzzles, um, rather than getting like deep strategic positions where you would kind of be like, I don't, I don't even know what's happening in these positions. Does that sound right? Yeah. I think it was a balance of trying to figure out how to develop and yeah. rooks, how to activate rooks in the end game, right? These, these basic strategic concepts mixed with improving tactics. Gotcha. So would, let's say I'm trying to parse out because we went all the way from beginning to 1600 now. So let's start at the beginning, try to figure out like how you made your little jumps, unless you didn't make little jumps. So where did you start? You, you pick up chess, you watch pog champs, you start playing your first rated games. Where are you starting at? I started around 800. Okay. So we're starting at 800. And do you have a cutoff of that first jump where it was like, I jumped to this rating or did it feel like it was just 800 to 1600? I think, I think 800 to 1100 was the first cutoff. Okay. So I was getting better at tactics, definitely doing my puzzles. I was maybe experimenting with some different openings, but primarily played a few. And I think th those were the ratings where I just couldn't see the board as clearly. Gotcha. It was either 1100 or 1200, but I think closer to 1100. And I, yeah, you know, you're, you're playing, you have an idea of what you want to do. But then you put a piece on a square that it just can't go on. Yeah. And is it, was it oftentimes like a, a bishop on the other side of the board that you sort of missed? It was covering that diagonal when you were talking about like not seeing the whole board? I think so. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm trying to remember how I lost pieces. No, it's, it's I think it was in, in every single way you can imagine. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. Uh, and, and I'm talking about rapid rating. I mean, my blitz rating started much lower and I'm still, my blitz rating is a good 300 points below my rapid rating because yeah. I'm very slow and I, I don't need the mouse. I mean, I'm in the same spot. My blitz rating is about 300 points lower. And I feel like people probably think I'm cheating sometimes because like I'll, I'll magically play like an 1800 sometimes in blitz, but my rating is only 1450. And I know that those people have to be like, what? How are you playing so good? Like you're only 1450. It's like, well, I'll just check my rapid rate. Like occasionally I can play up to my rapid skill when things are going perfectly. But then other days my blitz is like 1100 because my brain is a little slower today and I'm just, I just can't do anything. Uh, all right. So in your rise from 800 to 1100, you're doing tactics puzzles, you're doing Danya's speed run series, and you're doing Amon's chess habits. Is this kind of like the bulk of your work from this in this period? Yes. And I did it all very regularly. Um, in on weekend mornings, I would put it on the TV and nice. watch these chest improvement videos. And I was jumping in full force. I have taken the foot off the brake a little bit, uh, tried to restore some of the balance 
but okay. that's a good question then. So how many hours a day were you doing with this? Or a week, whatever you can come up with. I was doing a lot a week, some every day, I would say, whether it was playing, watching improvement videos, but now, now I, I still play every day, but mm -hmm. I don't feel as much pressure to get better. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I, I guess I want to ask you this question because this is how I felt. When I watch Danya's vid videos, for some reason, he tricks me into thinking that chess is easy. Like just the way he plays and explains chess, I'm like, yeah, this is easy. Did you feel like that at all? Or, or how, how did you react to his videos? I think the thing with his videos is he does make it feel like, he does make it feel like chess is easy. And it takes, you play your own games and those concepts, you're not able to implement them as well. But then eventually you are. And I think that was the thing is that, I'm trying to explain this. It was subconscious that over time, I just started looking at the board and thinking, well, you know, one of his concepts is the, the bishop biting on granite. And I would think about where to put the bishop and start analyzing the position in ways that he had analyzed positions in his speed run. So that's why I say his videos were how to, to think about chess versus Amon's videos, which were what moves do you play? Mm -hmm. All right, knights to you know the development squares on the the first few moves of the game castle as soon as possible if you're a low rated player starting to recognize different patterns of checkmates nice. and, and all of all of those so it was much more system based and i think having a balance of the two was re really useful to me yeah that sounds amazing um and by the way that wasn't meant to be a criticism of danya i think his videos are utterly amazing and he's so great at explaining but i I can definitely see I have some friends who are like 1100 and they're like, I don't understand. Like I, may, I, I look at his games and I would make all the same moves he made. And I'm like, I don't know if you would actually in your own game. Like he's so good at explaining why, but like you said, it's seeping around in your unconscious. And I think it just takes time and games and like, and this is an, an area where blitz can be so helpful, right? You get those reps in then where you're processing and your brain's wrestling with this and you're like, okay, I don't want my bishop to bite on granite. And then you still put your, your bishop there. And then you're like, oh, right. I wasn't supposed to go there. And it's just kind of like the more reps you get helps you with that. Okay. So you hit 1100. Did you hit a mini plateau for like a week? Or did you just immediately continue your meteoric rise? No, I think I did hit a plateau around that rating. And okay. then eventually. You plateau, were you thinking after a little while, like, Ooh, I need to shake things up a bit to get past this. Or did it just kind of naturally happen? Like you just kept doing what you were doing and more stuff filtered in your subconscious. What allowed you to break through that 1100 plateau? I think part of it was balancing slow, rapid games and faster blitz games. So if you look at my rapid rating graph it looks very linear but i was going up and down in blitz 
at the same time. And I don't allow myself to tilt in rapid like I do in blitz. So, you know, in blitz, I'll go up 100, 200 points and then go down the same. In rapid, if I lose two or three games in a row, I'll stop playing for the day. Oh. And come back and try to try to win and try to climb and try to learn more in between because I think it's th those games just require more commitment you would do the same for classical games you just can't play 500 long games there's no time in the day even if you do only have one cat so yeah and were so you I doing think, were you doing more with your rapid games also so like when you finish a rapid game, did you spend more time going over it because you put more time into playing it? Or did you kind of treat your analysis the same as your blitz games? I think I, I don't think I did anything terribly different. For me, it's about trying to understand where I went wrong. All right. So I, I, I'm going to get in trouble with with the chess dojo sensei, but I do I do analyze with the engine um, and I've, I think that there's a ton of value. Um, around not doing that, but part of my adult improver journey is i'm going to do things the way I want to do them, because i'm an adult and this is a hobby so. <laughs> Um, yeah, I look at the game with an engine, but I do try to not just blow through the blow through the moves and um, yeah, I do really try to, to understand where, where I went wrong and why I went wrong and especially if it's in the opening fix it. Um, so I have pretty much systems that I play against most openings. Okay, and so is that why. You, you use the engine because you feel like it's an efficient tool for letting you know this is where you went wrong and then you can dive into that spot and find like an objective answer from the engine? I think so. Okay. And that probably does contribute to my style of play and the fact that I am a much stronger player when I can get into tactical positions and open positions and the weakest part of my game is strategic play and at some point if i want to get much better i'll have to improve in that area but i've had a decent enough time relying trying to steer my games into positions that i'm comfortable with and that's the biggest advice i give to people in that area of you know rapid chess.com like 1200 to i guess 1800 is you can steer your games into positions that you're comfortable with. And if you're trying to do that and able to do that, then you're going to have a lot more success. Yeah. And I think at those rating range, it's easier as well. You can, you can almost always make a game at least a little bit sharper. Yeah. And some people are better in closed positions or strategic positions, even at that rating range. Yeah. For sure. And then you try to shift your games toward those positions and maybe play the queen's gambit or what have you yeah it was a big change i made when i came back i was playing the king's indian defense and i was like all right i just play super sharp chess and then i realized like actually it's kind of fun but i don't know how to play positional chess and this is not allowing me to learn positional chess like this is like 
I have to win or I'm going to lose. There's not a lot of in between. So I switched to a super boring, solid Queen's Gambit declined. And for like a month, just got these positions where I was like, I don't have any clue what I'm even supposed to do here, right? Like the position is closed off. I have no idea what to do. My, my opponent moved their rook to the C file, which isn't even open. Sure, I can copy that. I'll do that too. Why not? Um, but yeah, so I think it's really interesting how that works. And I think it's, it can also be good not just to steer games into that direction, but also try to really take on the challenge of understanding the other one as well. Yes. And I think it's important to know for yourself and for your mentors and coaches, what your goal is, whether your goal is to improve or whether it's to have fun, because those are completely (laughs) different things. And if I were purely looking to improve, then maybe I wouldn't analyze it with the engine, you know, because I do think that I don't think that that's the best way necessarily to do things. It's just the way I want to. And my primary goal is to have fun. And so I'm going to try to play fun chess as opposed to doing something that feels like a chore. Yeah. And that makes sense. And I got to say your tremendous rating game seems to say you're doing something. All right. So that's nice also. Okay. So you're at 1100, you're making your next steps. You're at your plateau. What did you change? Did you start reading strategy books? Did you find the chess dojo at that point? Like, what did you do to try to make these next steps? I was already in chess dojo, um, playing some of their online tournaments. I think one thing I did was I started playing over the board blitz. Ah. So I go to a blitz tournament in Austin every Saturday. It's Peace Park chess. Um, So if you have something like that in your city or your town, then take advantage of it. If not, find a friend and play some chess with them because I I do think that helped me see the board better, but really it was getting, it was getting reps in. Hmm. It's hard for me to answer because I didn't do too much differently, but what I did do is I started to specialize. So, you know, we're talking about, steering games into the types of positions that you're comfortable with. And I think I just did that more and more. I tried to improve the high end and the low end of my game. So I tried to get really good at one thing, which was the sharp attacking positions and the tactics and say, if I get these sorts of positions, I'm going to win them. And then I tried to get less bad at the weakest part of my game, which was end games and then certain openings. So I realized I was losing most games against the French. So I reached out to my coach and said, hey, can we have a lesson specifically on how to play white against the French defense? Nice. Were you able to find a sharper line than you had been playing before? Yeah, and I'm winning one. Yeah, nice. Okay, I figured. Because those poor French players are like, all right, we're going to go for a closed, quiet game. You're like, no, 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 we're absolutely not. We're not. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds like, you in this period you are playing more blitz which is giving you more reps you're having it sounds to me like a more sophisticated opening repertoire that is more well-rounded like there aren't as many holes where you're like oh i just hope not to play the french and when i do i realize i'm probably going to lose but you're really trying to address all of those different openings and i heard end games in there are we working with any specific end game materials or is it just kind of like looking a little bit more at it No. And I I think that's, that's my main idea is that you have to be 
decent at everything, but you don't have to be really good at everything. So I think a lot of people probably spread themselves too thin mm -hmm. and try to get all right at everything on the same level. And what I tried to do is get really good at one thing and then not terrible at everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like this approach. Excellent. So, and what you're really good at is getting into open positions and using your tactical prowess. Yes. And well, or when I can get into those, and sometimes you can, and you know, nobody wins every chess game and that's, Okay. But I do, I do have a, a high level of variance, so I can beat stronger players and I can lose to weaker players. Okay, interesting. Have you thought about directly addressing end games more, or is your thought more like most of my games are tactically oriented anyway? I'm not getting into these like long, drawn out pawn end games. I. I mean, to, to clarify, if I lose an endgame, I do look over it and try to figure out what went wrong. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I bought a chessable course. I'm not very diligent with my chessable, but I bought Kostya's course. Oh. So I am partway through that. And it's a great course. I really recommend it. I'm going through it really slowly, mm -hmm. but just making incremental progress there. Yeah. That sounds great. It seems like the perfect endgame course for you too, because it's kind of a mix of tactics and endgame principles and ideas. So it seems like a course that maybe resonates with you and your enjoyment of tactics. And I think it's one of those sort of important things people hear like, this is the book I should use or the source, but finding one that you like and resonate with, I think is also really important. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So where are we now? What, what, what are, what is our rating at now? I recently hit my 2022 rapid rating goal, which was 1800 on chess.com. Okay. So I started the year at 1600 and I was hoping to jump the 200 points. Um, my USCF rating is very low still because, mm -hmm. so I'm around 1200 USCF. I the uh the national open in 2021 so i'd been playing chess for four months went to the national open the so vegas and which is that the june one that's the, the the vegas june one okay so we were at that tournament together okay <laughs> okay you've been playing four months you go to a uscf tournament first of all did you have a fun time it was a great time there were a ton of people from chess dojo there we all hung out Oh, that's uh, my friend Allie from Austin, who does not play chess, came with me and we did Vegas. It was a great time. But uh, I, my chess was not so good. And because their beginner tournament is rapid, mm -hmm. that ended up being, I only played two days, but it was 12 games. Mm -hmm. So that was half of my provisional rating. And so I played half of my provisional games when I was very, very new, got a provisional rating of 800 and then um, had to work my way up from there. So the next few tournaments, I went from 800 to 1100, the next tournament. Oh, wow. And then I went from 1100 to 1200 at Alto. And then yesterday from losing the game, I went down five points. Okay, so you are around 1200. Do you have any thoughts 
of going to like one of these tournaments where you can win like four thousand dollars if you can win your section because you seem like the prime candidate for one of those i mean i i don't think it's a given with kids because I might be underrated slightly. I think I am, but I also think that most kids are underrated as well because they're learning so much between tournaments. Yeah, that's been my thought. I feel like I'm slightly underrated. I know a lot of people think that, and I just played in a tournament where I could have played um, like in the under 1700 section as like a 1620. And people were like, why didn't you go for it? And I was like, because there would have been somebody who was actually rated like 2000 in that section. Like, I'm not going to win it. So I played in the under like 2000 section instead or something and lost most of my games, but had a great time and learned a lot. So, yeah, yeah. I would rather play up still, Yeah, but sometimes there are caps on where you can play. And so I just play wherever I'm welcome. That sounds, that sounds great then. So you Hit your your year's rating goal of 1800. Do you now have a new goal then? Or are you just like, I guess I'm done this year. I can just kind of like come back next year. Well, it's funny because the tweet that I put out with my rating goal had some other goals mm, in okay. it. And I, I've hit my chess goals, but I haven't hit my other goals of cooking more and walking more. So I think now I need to focus on the... Uh, the physical health. Okay. So you've decided to pull back a little bit to try to hit some of your other goals. I, I had already tried. I've started yeah. doing that already, but yeah, last year, like 2021 was the obsessive year of chess. Okay. And I think even if I can play chess all the time, that's not necessarily something that I want to do. Okay. I, I think balance is really important. And if I feel like the balance is getting off, then it's time to adjust. Well, I just want to note something though. You pulled back and continue to gain rating points and hit your new high. Like that's kind of amazing. Hmm. Okay. So that, that feels like a real success there that you're able to both get balance in your life and still progress as a chess player. That I think that gives hope to everybody. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Um, I, I, I think it's changing the way you think about it and starting to make, like, like I've said over and over, I sound like a broken record, but making the game work for you, doing the things that you enjoy about it most. Um, yeah. It's funny, I, I, I keep referencing this style that I have that I, I think I go to the park too and people know that I'm going to be a really aggressive player. And I say that I started doing that for two reasons, really. The first one was because I realized that if you're pressing the whole time, if you're attacking, it's less painful to lose. <laughs> That's true. Right? Rather than defending the whole time and you've yeah. been really stressed out the entire game and you still don't win. Like, I want to have fun. And then if I didn't win, at least I was making my opponent sweat as opposed to being the one sweating. And then the second reason was I had, and I think part of this was a misconception or a chip on my shoulder, but I, I, I thought people will think that I'll be a more timid player because there's not a lot of women who play chess. Oh, okay. Interesting. And so you and specifically I, wanted to counter that? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, I wanted, and I, I think that anyone who thinks that probably doesn't know what's going on. Because yeah. here, you know, Judith Polgar is known for being a very attacking player. And so anyone who knows chess knows that women are, but um, I, I'm partway through chess queens uh, mm. or chess queen or chess queens. Do you know, do you remember if it's singular? Ooh, that's such a great question. I think it's plural. Okay. I'm enjoying the book too much, but um, yeah, I'm terrible with titles and names and all of those uh, details, but I uh, highly recommend uh, the book by Jen Shahadi. And mm -hmm. she said the same thing that she started playing. She, she developed a really attacking style because she wanted to kind of show, show the boys that she could play and she could compete. And our tournament in the park usually gets only a couple women. And so mm. I want, or I, I, I wanted people to feel like I was legitimate and putting up some sort of real fight against them. Okay. That's interesting. It's such, it's also so interesting to feel like you have to develop a chess persona because of, you know, um, negative predisposition somebody might have because of your gender. Like that's, that whole, that whole element of chess is so difficult and unfortunate. Like I have a, a seven-year-old daughter myself who's really into chess. She's playing in her first over-the-board tournament next weekend. And so, so far, she hasn't had any, like, even understandings that there aren't that many girls in chess because she was in an all-girls chess class and she went to Jen Shahade's uh women's group and so she's like there's tons of girls that play chess in fact most people are girls and i'm just <laughs> worried she's gonna go to this tournament there's gonna be like two girls and 40 boys and she's gonna be like oh oh maybe maybe there's not that many girls so we'll have to see what happens i'm i'm hoping for a lot of girls at the event yeah i think when i play tournaments there are definitely more girls than grown women there aren't too many older women who play. And I think the Queen's Gambit did have something to do with it, but I personally have never had a bad experience in person on an individual level. I've had bad experiences individually online and then in person, everyone's very nice. And it just is something that you notice all the time. Mm, yeah. So when you go to these events, it's impossible not to notice and think about the fact that, oh, you are one of only a couple women, even though, and then it's tough because it becomes a thing where people, it starts to, first of all, you know, you think about it with your playing style, but then it becomes your personality if you ever talk about it, right? People are like, oh, that's, you know, that's the, the person who always talks about women and I don't understand why it's such a big deal and it's just it's not that the men that you're playing with are not super nice it just is something that you are always noticing when you're the only person of a certain gender race whatever in the room yeah and I think that's such a great distinction to make between young girls and women that play because when I was at the world open I was noticing a lot of people from the female gender and I was kind of impressed I was like ooh we haven't made it by any means there's not it's not 50 50 but 
there are more females than in the past, which is great, but it is a good point. There weren't that many women, right? It, a lot of them were younger girls who, for whatever reason, that was one of the cool things about chess queens talking about how they end up dropping out of chess at, I can't remember what year she said, like 12 or 13 or something like that. So that's still a big problem that we need to address. Um, let's talk a bit uh, as we get near the end of this tournaments. Uh, how many over the board tournaments have you played? Not a lot. I mean, well, I played the blitz tournament every weekend. So yeah. I played a decent amount of over the board chess, but the, the tournaments in the park are not rated. They're just for fun. Okay. So as far as rated tournaments, I played the national open. I played a tournament up in Dallas was my second tournament. Mm -hmm. Then one random quad in Austin that a couple of friends organized. They're, they're great. Um, I've only played one because I usually am busy on Sundays when they run them. And then I played Alto and this uh, one day tournament yesterday. So I think, yeah, five, or maybe I'm forgetting one, five or six tournaments is all as far as rating goes. How did, how did you like the Alto tournament? That's the, at, was it at least 21? At least 21. Uh, in the Charlotte Chess Center. I saw them put up the ad for that. And I was like, can I fly out for this? And the problem is it was during the school year. And it's really hard for me as a teacher to just like fly away for a weekend and come back with my family and all the prep I have to do. But I really wanted to go. Um, what do you think of it? I thought it was fantastic. First of all, kudos to Peter and Gran and everyone at the Chess Center. They run great events and it was, it was really nice playing a tournament with adults because everyone is, is kind of like-minded. I mean, not everyone has just started playing, but it was, there was a lot more opportunity to socialize. So when I went to the tournament in Dallas, it was mostly kids, probably 50% kids and then weighted toward the lower sections. You got more than that. And between games, it was all of these families running around, which is, is great and important, but there, there was a, an awesome social aspect to yeah. Alto. And then, you know, the, the fact that you're not playing kids who are completely booked up and all they need to do all day is study chess. <laughs> Yeah, it, it feels like it would be fun psychologically because you don't have to have that mystery kid in front of you who you're like, are you really 1300 or are you really 1800? And you just haven't yeah. up over the board yet. Um, but I, I, I agree. I really like the social aspect. One of the things I want to do with chess is to really meet a lot of people. And it, it just feels challenging if you're at a tournament and you play like when I played a tournament over Thanksgiving, I played in consecutive matches. It was like a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, an 11-year-old, 11-year-old, and a 13-year-old. And I was like, this is great. I'm happy so many kids are into chess, but I don't feel like any of these are going to be friends of mine. Like, I don't think after the tournament, I'm going to be like, I'll be emailing you, eight-year-old. Let's keep in touch. Like, that would be hey, kind of weird. Friends with <laughs> uh, no, it's completely agree. I mean, I had a great uh, opponent in my last round game. It was 
I was playing against, I think the highest rated player in our section and we had talked a little bit before and knew that our ratings online were about the same. Mm -hmm. And so it was going to be a really competitive game. And out of the opening, I was completely losing. And then I ended up spotting, uh, I, I spotted a tactic that would have gotten it back to equal, but still difficult. And then he misplayed it. And uh, I, I ended up winning the game basically on luck. Um, but we ended up becoming chess.com friends and have played games since then. So like you said, you can stay in touch with the people that you meet at a tournament like Alto or like the, even the national open in Vegas, right? There are kids there, but you, there's a lot of adults who are enjoying the nightlife that you can hang out with. Yeah. Not so much in a random tournament in a random town. Yeah. Like the hotel. I just, I just have to give you a little pushback on something you just said. You said, I won by luck, but I disagree. I think what you won by was resilience. You weren't just sitting at the board waiting to lose. You were actively looking for tactical shots that would give you a chance. And I think that's something I've been working on a lot lately. Is that something you worked on or is that just kind of natural with your tactical playing style? I think the latter. I never worked on it specifically, but... In, in that particular game, it was a really easy sacrifice to make because I was able to look at the board and say, this bishop sack is the only way I don't lose this game. Okay, gotcha. So, you know, if you, they, there is a benefit to playing Desperado because yeah. you, you can just do it if you know you're going to lose anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I... um I was playing a great game today and then somehow stumbled into getting forked and was dead lost. And I ended up getting my coolest mate that I've ever gotten. It was like a mate in six I spotted where I had to do this really awesome thing. I put it on Twitter. Um, but that would have never happened a month ago. A month ago, I'd have just been like, I'll just randomly move these pieces until you mate me. Cool. And I just decided like, why am I doing that? I could just resign and go get a sandwich. That would be fine. Or I can look for all the best moves and maybe my opponent will make a mistake. And it was kind of like, if I'm going to set my pieces up where if he moves that Bishop off that diagonal, they're going to lose, they won't move it. And then the very next move, they're like, what if I move my Bishop here? And I was like, what if, what if you got made it? So yeah, that, that's really cool though, that you're able to, to stick with it and, and get the sneaky mate. Was your opponent devastated or were they just kind of like, it's cool. It's cool. It happens. We were getting along. So you could tell that he was bummed, but mm -hmm was nice about it okay that's good all right so that it turns out the alto tournament was a big success huge success. um yeah. what do you think are they going to run another one i haven't heard anything about another one i'm not sure i hope they do okay what if you ran one so <laughs> i have <laughs> I, I i i do want to start doing some organizing um i've done organizing in other worlds in the past so I used to do a lot of theater and um, on the, the production side of things. And so I feel very confident organizing tournaments and organizations. And what I, if I do organize something, it will be along the same philosophy as 
my playing, which is that I want to have fun. So I have ideas of I want to run a tournament or more than one tournament that also has some social aspect. So whether it could be a tournament that's the weekend of a music festival and we play the tournament and then go to the music festival after or something that has to do with an event like that. Sounds great. Uh, maybe you could run FIDE. Like, I feel like, I feel like we could use some more fun in FIDE. I'll be fine. Yeah, if I run FIDE, it's just going to be a party all the time. <laughs> the world championship is connected just, just like, uh, Coachella. That'll be yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I heard you mention coaching a few times. Um, when did you get a coach and what do you think of coaching? Has it had a big impact on your game or not? So I've only had, my coach is uh, national master Evan Rosenberg, but I've only had two lessons with him. They were great lessons. They were really good lessons. Okay. I just, uh, we're both pretty busy. And I think, I, I mean, I specifically, I think, you know, he's, he's great and offers to, to give lessons, but he's busy enough that if I fall off the face of the earth and go do my other hobbies, then you know, he has his child that he can <laughs> look after. <laughs> He's not too bored when I'm not uh, reaching out. Just waiting by the phone. Come on, Amanda. Come. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he's he's a, a great coach. And uh, he, he's the one who gave me the lesson about the, the French defense. And it was just such a pre well-prepared mm. lesson. Okay. Like he had gone through and it was very like tailored specifically to, to my play style. So that's cool. Uh, definitely 10 out of 10 coach. So it sounds like the lessons you have had have been useful, but is it that you just have enough of a program yourself? You have an idea of how to improve that you don't feel like you need like a weekly lesson from a coach or something? Yeah, exactly. And then I have a lot of other things going on as well. Gotcha. Okay. I can understand that. I'm, I'm in a weird spot where over the summer I have the luxury of extra time. So I I try my best to do coaching sessions with different coaches. And then the school year starts and they're like, uh, I thought I was your coach. And I'm like, you are, but we just don't ever meet because I don't have any time. And they're like, okay. Yeah. I'll tag Evan on Twitter and be like my coach, Evan. And he probably yeah. reads that and is like, I don't know who you are. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I vaguely remember you. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's going to be a group that gets together. That's called like, Kevin is not my student. <laughs> so we'll see we'll see coaches who i've had you're all awesome i i intend to do more lessons with you but the summer is coming to an end so don't be too upset if you don't hear from me much all right amanda well this has been a lot of fun it sounds like you've made some pretty amazing progress in the last what what are we looking like a year and a half or so mm -hmm. yeah that's that's pretty amazing you're kind of like a beacon of hope for all of us out there that you're able to not only pour a lot of time into chess and make big progress, but then find balance and still continue to make progress and carry this 1200 USCF rating to make thousands of dollars. Like you have it all, Amanda, you have, you just have it all. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you too can have it all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I look forward to continue to uh, reading your work on Twitter and watching your progress. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you, and follow up with some questions. Where can they reach you? You can you can find me on Twitter. So it's at Chang Amanda on Twitter. Okay, awesome. You can reach out to me at Dr. Skull if you want. 
You can also catch me streaming at uh, Dr. Skull under tiny, underscore Tiny Grimes. I'm streaming my World Open recap series. I just finished number five today, uh, and it was horrible. It's game number four. Uh, Stockfish says I was up eight, and I was like, whoa, I could do the move Stockfish says, and it looks great. But I've been working on my nights, and I could set up a fork that doesn't work at all and hang a piece. And I went that route. And uh, yeah, my opponent's eyes lit up when I did it. And I was like, oh, I missed something. <laughs> and I was like, yep, that's what I missed. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was really embarrassing. I almost uh, like could never play chess again after that game. But I managed to come back the next day and play anyway. All right, Amanda, thanks so much. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. I'm happy to hear that you found a way to have fun with chess and do things your way and still make amazing progress. So uh, hopefully we can all be like you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a really, really great time. And it's a great podcast you got. All right, thanks so much. And I look forward to uh, you running FIDE and uh, having the concert world championship combo. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I'll see you then. All right. All right, everybody. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for coming by. And if you don't make all the progress you want this week, that's okay. It's all right. Come back next week. I'll have another guest for you. We'll help you along your journey and I'll see you all next time.